You're listening to Season 2 of the Leading Conversations podcast, a golden opportunity to hear from senior executives across Australia as they discuss some of the very real challenges they faced in their professional and personal lives, leading to some extraordinary cultural change within their workplace. Talking directly to their leading team's facilitators, the conversations are open, frank and familiar. I felt like I had to change to be more manly, more masculine and pick up on what these really successful people were doing. I wanted to be that. And so I really cycled down into feeling like I wasn't enough. Kristen Buick is a powerhouse, an empath and incredibly driven. She's worked her way up to the role of director and co-owner of business consulting firm Altitude Advisory, but not without facing a series of battles along the way, including significant trauma in her personal life and the challenge of working within a male-dominated workplace. Leading Teams facilitator Dan Healy has been working with Kristen for several years on and off, and the difference it's made has been astounding. Kristen's talking to Dan about the bumps in the road, the ways in which she's tried to please others, and eventually how she found her confidence and turned things around. Kristen starts by explaining how she got to Altitude Advisory. I have a beautiful life. I've travelled extensively. I've lived abroad for a couple of year-long stints, one in Norway and one in Greece. And it's through travel, really, that I learnt relationships and the importance of those things. When I came back into Australia, I sort of fell into management. I used to work at a place called Rabbit Photo that you might remember, developing negatives for people's film and photo frames. And once I came to the middle of my 20s, it was time to get married and have kids. And I thought I'd found my life's calling, really. I adored being a wife and a mum. And when I had my second child and she died at six months, everything changed. So I knew at that point that I could either let that trauma rule my life or I could let it shape me and that's what I did. So I had another baby and then I went back to study and I just wanted to, I suppose, prove something to myself and make a a legacy for my kids and let them see that you didn't have to let that kind of thing affect you and you could get on and really be resilient and make the most of it. So that was kind of my pathway into study and then into becoming an advisor. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that must have been a really challenging time. So then why into the role you're in now and tell us more about Altitude Advisory and what that looks like? Well, so I wanted to help people and in Altitude Advisory, I certainly get to do that. We are a financial services business and we cover financial planning, financial advisory and also tax and accounting and those are our core. We're really best of breed, I suppose, and we pride ourselves on relationships. So going back to that learning that I was speaking about when I was travelling overseas, that really comes into play here. We are a relationship business. So team and clients alike. I started there as a grad and I'm now sitting as a director and I run two divisions. So it's a fantastic journey and I guess that's where we want to pick up. I've come to know you in that role as director in a largely, well, you are the only female in a male-dominated leadership team and it's fair to say that's had its challenges and frustrations for you. It'd be good to hear some of those 
situations, challenges that you've had along the way. Yeah, you're very right. As one of the leadership team, one of the executive, I am the only girl and moving into that kind of role means that you have to work at a really close level, but you also have to be confident to be able to speak up. And I suppose what I found dealing with an all-male executive was that my confidence got a bit lost. I wasn't feeling heard and I started to turn quite negative I suppose you know men's communication styles are quite different to women's and I've worked with these people for lots of years I came into the business as a grad so I was the only female so I was different already and I was the grad and in my head I'd kind of been stuck there and I was probably acting out a little bit I felt like I had to change to be more manly more masculine and pick up on what these really successful people were doing. I wanted to be that. And so I I really cycled down into feeling like I wasn't enough. I really want to point out, though, that I, I work with a bunch of amazing executives that are all incredible at what they do, and they're fun and smart, and I just I lost my way for a minute. But we're back, Dan. And we'll get to that <laughs> bit later, and certainly you, we worked out along the way that it was as much about you as it was about them. 100%. Tell the folks listening, what were some of the things you found yourself doing, that, and perhaps even a final straw that said, you know, I need help with this piece? Yeah, look, simple little things, Dan, started to really affect my confidence. So someone saying, oh, that's not what I would have done when I'd made a decision, as is my right in my role, or people not hearing me around the board table, literally talking over the top of me like I hadn't spoken, was really starting to to affect me. And how did I know that I needed help? The arm wrestle situation, the power struggle, it was real and it really started to change the person that I wanted to be, that I used to be and that I was. So found yourself trying to prove yourself, found yourself in a rigorous debate argument with people and showed traits of yourself that you wouldn't normally see? All the time. Emotional outbursts, things that really did the opposite to what I was trying to do, which was to get people to listen to me and it it didn't serve me well at all. And when you say emotional, so you... (laughs) Crying and I tried to change my voice. I had read that Margaret Thatcher had really changed her tone to be down a couple of octaves to try and sound a little bit more like a man and be heard. So I did try that too. I tried it all. But you are an emotional person, Kristen, and we would say that that's a, a great quality to have. I think being emotional is great when you're in control of your emotion. Crying because no one's listening to you probably isn't something I'd suggest people do. Mm. It certainly didn't work for me and it doesn't also put women in a good light, you know. We need to be strong enough to believe in ourselves and what we bring is enough and we don't need to be someone else. So as we started the process of the one-on-one work, Kristen, I guess, how serious were you? What were you willing to do? What lengths were you willing to go to to change the situation? Yeah, that's a great question, Dan. Uh, I knew going into this that I was either going to find myself and make it work in this current firm with this bunch of people or I was probably going to have to take myself out of the situation. So I was willing to walk away from it. And so we had that conversation, didn't we, that the deeper dive that you take here, and one of the things that does happen when people do that is that they can decide what they've decided are their new values or their trademark or purpose don't align with what they're experiencing at work. So that was real for you? It was 100% real, and you're very right. It needs to align. And pleasingly, 
for us. That's how it's turned out. And pleasingly for me, yeah. <laughs> and so we started to have some conversations and decided, and you asked, you wanted to do some one-on-one work. We were working with the team as a whole and and I guess that focus went on starting to work on what you can control. And part of that process is, I guess, the the idea of looking into who the truth about Kristen now. And, yeah. and there's that the three-prong approach, starting with a self-audit. So yeah. giving you a piece of paper and asking you to, to jot down what's the truth about you now. Do you remember that piece and, and how that went for you? I remember it really well. And it was I remember where we were even, and it was really confronting. And the thing that I remember about it, Dan, was that I found it really hard to write anything good in the truth about me. I found myself tending negative. And then part of that next process as we worked on reminding you that I think I might have even asked you to go away again and throw some more down that, and perhaps try and shine a brighter light on it. Would that be fair? Yeah, I think that's very fair. But it's so indicative of my state of mind, I think, at the time. And, and that's true of anyone who goes through that, I think. And so... I guess doubling down on that in a way or perhaps helping affirm the opposite was then the, the request that we made to go out to half a dozen, six or eight colleagues, friends, yeah. trusted advisors and get feedback around three words to describe you and, and one thing that they'd like you to consider changing doing. How did you find that piece? I found it affirming in both the positive things that I thought about myself but also the thing that I knew I had to change, that I was insecure and emotional, overly emotional in a negative sense. How'd that make you feel hearing that from, I assume that was from some of those fellow Some of those executives for sure. I value their opinion and it just helped me see what I was doing to myself with that self-talk cycle that you came to teach me about and I love so dearly. And the other interesting thing, I guess, was the difference in the feedback from those directors compared with those people that you lead and some other members of the team. Yeah, there was certainly a difference. I felt in control when I, and I'm leading my team and I'm not now in the executive with peers. Feedback is all fantastic and I'm empathetic and I stick up for them and I'm not emotional in that. I was doing that well. It was where I felt like I wanted to really prove myself that I was failing. Wow. And so the process then becomes, and the question that we get to talk about and ask is, okay, so that's who we are now. We get a really clear picture. The exciting question, but also obviously challenging is how do we want to be seen? What do we want people to say about us when we leave attitude or, you know, as as morbid as it might sound, at our funeral or or on our tombstone? And Mm. and that's the piece that we then worked on. Mm. How'd you go with that bit? I found that easy and hard. I think I've always known who I wanted to be. I just kind of lost sight of it. So for me, I loved working through that. But what I learned about it and mine for anyone who's interested is do you be you, a beautiful life by design. I just had to get back to that. So do you be you, a beautiful life by design. So again, the question was asked, how do you want to be seen, a trademark for yourself, this idea of a legacy. And you came up with that, explore that a bit more. Tell us more about what that means to you. Well, the do you be you is don't try and be someone else. For sure, take bits and pieces of people that you really admire or inspire you to be great, but you cannot be another person. You've got to be true to yourself. This is really so simple, but amazing. I didn't realise how well people appreciated me as I was. That's great. And then the beautiful life by design? You get to choose. I've done it my whole life. You know, when I lost my daughter, I got to choose what I did and that has carried me the whole way through. I can choose how I react. I can choose if I say yes or no to things. I choose who I spend time with. I choose. 
You get to choose. That's great. And then I guess under that, the question is, you know, what does that look like in a behavioural or so you've got a few different characteristics that you want to be seen as. Do you want to share those as well? Sure. I want to be seen as generous. It's one of the things that, as you put to me, Dan, I cannot turn off. It just is. I'm generous with time and generous with advice and I just love people, as you well know. So I can't turn that off and it's brilliant. And it means really that I don't judge people, I take them for who they are, which ironically is what I should have let other people (laughs) do for me. And I celebrate the success of others. And courageous, I want to do the right thing, even if it's the hard way, I want to do that. And I want to grow because of discomfort. And I think that sits really well with me and it's something I practice every day. And mostly, and this is one of the things that came out of the initial part of a self-audit for us, was that I wanted to be seen as wise. I was in my mind thinking that everyone thought that I wasn't enough, but I want to be wise. I want to seek to understand. I don't want to be right, but I really want to understand and I want to choose, which comes right back to the start. So you then create this trademark, which all sounds very good, and you probably have someone whisper in your ear or let you know that that actually is now just the starting point that the idea of that personal trademark is now that is your new self-talk yeah how do you go about believing that you are that um, group of directors oh, I collected proof of when people said good things to me I actually started listening and I jotted them down and then I came and told you all about them whenever we met so one of the things that happened to me Dan I actually stopped listening to any positive feedback and I only heard negative things. I don't know if this is common for people, but it's certainly something that I did and it's what led me to spend time with you. And I realised that life isn't a competition and I can add value with my skills. And so I didn't need to compete, I suppose. And some of that evidence was lining up with that new self-talk, that trademark of yours? 100%, yeah. And it's so interesting. What I also found was that when you focus on the negative, that's all you see. But if you focus on the positive stuff, you'll hear that too. So I still take feedback. I'm not completely infallible, but I certainly hear a lot of positive stuff. And I add that to my proof and it helps with my self-talk for sure. Well, of course, we would say that there is no such thing, of course, as negative feedback if it's come from the right place. It's all feedback designed to make you better. And well, I guess what you're saying now is that's how you take that feedback rather than look at it as positive or negative. It's absolutely amazing how I take it on board. You can tell me anything. I'm not getting upset about it. I take it because people care that enough that they want to give me the feedback and make me better. I love that. And because you're clear on who you want to be and that that's not going to rattle you anymore? doesn't rattle me. Yeah. It's, it's really quite the wonder drug. And your commitment to it, clearly, you're underestimating that piece. So again, I guess just those other directors and you, what does that interaction look like now? How has that changed those meetings, interactions, the dialogue with them? It looks adult. That's how it looks, Dan. It looks grown up and adult and respectful and caring and we just want each other to be better. And I might point out, we all did some learnings here, not just me. We've come together and it's worked really well. Yeah. I remember it might have been with a hint of sarcasm when you rang and told me how different they were all behaving to you and I might have made this. So you think all of them have changed completely. It was that light bulb for you that oh, perhaps they haven't changed that much. Perhaps it's the way I'm looking at the situation and it's me that's changed. Was that something that was able to... It you certainly to was with? a light bulb and I do tell people that story. It was really nice to hear actually, yeah. And 
I hope you don't mind sharing one of your closest colleague who you had worked very closely day to day with attitude, someone who you'd always looked up to and one of those fellas that you'd wanted to be like. His feedback to you more recently, which I know meant a lot to you. He gave me the feedback that I inspire him, which is ironic, right? <laughs> because he inspires me. And because you'd spent all that time trying to get him to and, yes. and doing a little bit ass about. I did it ass about, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. This personal trademark you got, how do you go about making sure it stays with you and it, that it truly is, I imagine it's, it gets challenged most under pressure? How do you go about that? 100%. You're 100% right. Look, my trademark travels with me everywhere. I spruik it, as you know, to anyone who'll listen, random people in coffee shops. I don't know. I love it because I want everyone to have one. I think it's helped so much. In crisis, people always revert to their natural selves. And I think you know you've really hit gold when you can stay that steady keel. You sound like you almost brainwash people as you talk to them. You've got plenty of colleagues in your workplace who have also created their trademark. I was interested when we were talking the other day about how when they are in a challenging situation, you push them back to what do you stand for? What is your trademark? Yeah, it's super easy for people in crisis to cycle into a why is this happening to me? They forget. And so I, I guess that means two things. They've either forgotten they have a trademark or they're really in pain and they need someone to remind them. Or maybe their trademark isn't right. So I think always going back to that, if you've spent the time preparing it, you absolutely need to rely on it. I suppose the one Mm. thing we should talk about is the latest role and the way that's evolved and how that could have looked so much different two years ago. So I am soon to be jumping into a new role that I've kind of develop for myself and I think it's going to be perfect and it's the chief of culture at our firm. We're a firm of 60 people, five directors now and we're getting, it's getting a lot. So we need to make sure we really shine a light on that culture piece and as you know Dan, we've done it really well up until now but we need a little bit of a stronger arm so I'm giving up that general manager position that I look after those two divisions and I'm doing this overarching strategy for our culture and values going forward to make sure that we're looking after the team and just relationships in general. Which it clearly is your natural passion as you've spoken about. Just imagine a couple of years ago, how would that have been if you had have come to the group a couple of years ago and said, we want to create this role and, and I want to be it? I guess, was that symbolic of the changes? I think it was 100% symbolic. You wouldn't have let me run that a couple of years ago in the horrible state, emotional state that the leadership team was in with me. It sounds like I was completely crazy. I wasn't crazy. I just really had worked myself up in that particular group of executives. But, yeah, it wouldn't have gone across very well at all, Dan. And so what was their response this time? Brilliant. Let's do it. Yeah, that's an exciting development. I suppose, and I guess you've touched on it all the way along, but it would be great to hear some of your insights, advice for other women out there who are trying to make their way, either probably in a male-dominated environment or not, but... um, what would be some of your advice to them? I just think women have it a bit hard. We go away, we have children, we're kind of out of the workforce a bit. But also our approach is completely different. Don't stop being emotional. You still need to bring that. It's the point of difference that we have as women. We're lucky and we need to really trade on that, I think. The other piece of advice is pick attributes of people that you admire and plug those in and improve them. But just be authentic and genuine in you and it's okay to look inward and see what you're responsible for. And by changing not just you but how you see yourself, it can elicit different reactions and responses from the people around you. 
And Dan, you know, knowing what you need to do isn't doing it. You need to actually do it to see the change. The other piece of advice I would give people is absolutely find a mentor like I have and have someone who can bring you expert advice and guidance in that direction. For sure, get a trademark 100%. Define who you are. It's been simply remarkable and I would definitely do that again. You've been listening to the second season of Leading Conversations for Leading Teams, produced by Sound Cartel. Follow Leading Conversations free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts.